Hello and welcome to Let's Get Weirding. I'm Megan Sunday. And I'm Bo North. On this show, we are usually discussing Frank Herbert's Dune series, chapter by chapter, but this week is part three of our Dunecation, and we're discussing the 2014 documentary Jodorowsky's Dune. And because we don't want to fold space time alone, we're joined by a very special guest. Very special guest. He is the co-host of such shows as Predictocast and Butterfly Kisses, as well as the artist behind the artwork for this very show, Josh Hollis. Ah, thank you for having me. Um, Hi, Josh. I, I, uh, is it weird that I take, not necessarily take umbrage, but also don't necessarily <laughs> call myself an artist? Like, it's weird. I have this weird thing, because in my day job, I'm a graphic designer, which I know that's like kind of muddying the waters there a little bit more, but like I don't see myself as an artist, and I think it's maybe because I when I think of the word artist, maybe with the capital A, I kind of think mm. about Yodorowsky, like from this movie, <laughs> and I and, oh god, I hope not. Well, all. No, no, not all, but like <laughs> hashtag not yes, all artists, not not all artists, but like I I think of someone who is like that, who is maybe a little aloof, a little over the top. I mean, we, we see like stuff with Dolly in this thing. And like, that's what I kind of envision in my head sometimes is like Mm, the mm -hmm. sort of upper tier, I guess. And I, I'm wrong maybe, but it's just, that's like how I think of it. And so I, for me, I don't know if I consider myself an artist. It's weird when somebody refers to me as that. Here's why you're wrong. Because you've you've designed several book covers for me, and I've given you the most tenuous of descriptions, except for the last one. I was very detailed, but like the first three you did for me, I was like, "Here's an idea I had. See what you could make with it." And you've made beautiful book covers for me. Mm-hmm. That to me, if you can interpret someone else's like, "I have an idea. Here's my idea," and you can make it like a visual representation of an idea that makes you an artist. Okay. I will take that. I was just trying to get my, so tough. I was just trying to get my like (laughs) humility and, uh, out of the way early and like be very humble (laughs) so that I can come. That has no place on this episode. (laughs) So that I can come in and be revealed as a fraud because I don't, (laughs) I don't know anything about Dune. I don't know anything about Yodorowsky's work. Like I'm just completely (laughs) ignorant in both of these spheres. So you are an empty. I'm the worst possible guest filled. for this. <laughs> now, actually, you're the best because I have been wanting someone on this show who is a complete and total Dune virgin. Like Sammy had some exposure through her dad. She actually read a chapter that doesn't really qualify her. Um, you know, Skinner had some had read the books. So most of our guests have some like basic knowledge of Dune, of the world of Dune, and and the properties of Dune, like the various sequels and prequels and all of that stuff. But you are just white as snow, (laughs) like untrammeled, (laughs) know nothing about Dune whatsoever. Uh, Yeah, so I've I've actually been wanting someone on the show that has no knowledge of Dune whatsoever. I've not even seen, and I like I like David Lynch. I've not seen his movie. I've not seen the Dune movie. So well, this is another thing that like we discussed when on the second episode when we had Sammy on was because you know she's the like the biggest Mm -hmm. David Lynch fan (laughs) in the world, but she hasn't seen that movie either. And you know, and it's one of those things where I think she wants to read the book before she sees the Mm -hmm. movie. Um, most people aren't that, you know, 
rigorous about <laughs> about Dune, but uh, <laughs> I think it it does give you like better knowledge of the movie if you've seen the if you've read the book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I'd agree. But most people see the movie before reading the book. I mean, I think just about every guest we've had have started by seeing the movie. If if Yodorowsky's Dune had been made, do you think that would have that you think that still would have tracked? Like if you'd read the book first, it would have helped you with his version <laughs> of the film, because I know it I'm, diverges quite a bit. Right. Not so sure about that, honestly. Um, yeah, I mean, not only diverges, it diverges in the strangest ways Mm -hmm. people talk about how the lynch movie diverges from the plot and it does and it does yeah but it doesn't there aren't well pirates first of all (laughs) that was one of the few things that i was like okay that's kind of a cool idea yeah you have people smuggling spice yeah because absolutely they do yeah but that would be like that's something that i feel like would add interest nothing else and okay should we just get into it i don't think yes. any of us like this movie. I, I mean i didn't i didn't hate it i liked yeah i liked it as a documentary i thought it was a very well-made documentary that oh, sounds sure, really sure. lame but it i know it was interesting and it was very for anyone who doesn't know i guess what this is maybe there's somebody uh this was a documentary <laughs> that came out like you said in 2014 yeah. uh that is about the director writer Visionary shaman, Alejandro Yodorescu. I'm going to mispronounce his name. Well, okay, let's stop there because I have always pronounced it Yodorowski, but everybody in this documentary pronounced it differently. Differently, (laughs) and I was like, surely I'll watch this and I'll figure out how to say it, and then I won't sound uneducated (laughs) if I talk to someone about his work (laughs) at some point in the future. And then you've got seven different people from different countries all saying it in different (laughs) ways, and I'm like, I don't know what it is. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I give up. People who know him, yeah, we're all saying it differently. Who Who have fun little nicknames for him or saying it differently from each other. And his son, who called him Alejandro. <laughs> well, I mean, if that was my dad, I would. We would be on a first. He, he name was probably basis. forbidden from calling him dad. He was like, "You will not call yeah, me I, dad or father." <laughs> I can imagine, yes. Uh, but in the seventies, he wanted to make a movie of Dune, and he assembled a very kind of a, outstanding a dream team. Yeah, yeah. squad, dream team crew. Uh, to make it, and they made this giant book that was they p- took out to all of the studios. Uh, I believe one sold at auction recently for forty two thousand dollars. Yeah, because uh, there's only two. Isn't there only two? There's only like existence? two left. Yeah, yeah, because I'm sure you know some assistant just you know threw them out at some point. Yeah, uh, but it, they got to a certain you know, the, the sort of the planning stages and then they did not get funding and the movie was never made. Um, but it was going to be something. Well, part of the reason they didn't get funding and couldn't get funding because he refused to compromise on his artistic vision. He wanted to make a 14 hour that, movie. That's ludicrous. I mean, that's, nowadays yeah. everybody complains that things are too long. I mean, we just, you know, it's the summertime. We just, ended uh the whole avengers thing in game and everybody yes. was like it's three hours what is going on and like it's this huge big deal 
And you want to make a 14-hour movie in 1975? <laughs> no, my God. No, like, thank you, please. I mean, people, I think, were still... That's, yeah, that... It would have to have like seven, what seventeen intermissions. It's like gone with the wind. It's like <laughs> now leave again. How many, I guess. How I many VHS tapes would that movie come on? <gasps> oh, oh my god. god! It would be like a, a trunk, <laughs> yeah. a trunk load of VHS. Just tapes. a special edition, just case of them. Yeah, the twelve <laughs> VHS set of Yodorowsky's well, Dune. <laughs> how long is Gone with the Wind? That was two VHS. It's tapes. almost three it's hours. Like four, oh, hours. four hours. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so, I mean, somebody that's good at quick math could probably figure that out pretty easily. I mean, roughly two hours (laughs) a tape, so so seven tapes, basically, if if we're going to do that math. Man, a whole TV series that didn't take seven tapes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, we are talking about Kindred the Embraced. (laughs) I have that on DVD. (laughs) Yeah, same. (laughs) (laughs) That's on DVD. Uh, (laughs) Excuse me. Like, that's so unbelievable. I don't even know, like, VHS probably wouldn't have even been the appropriate format. They'd have had to, you know, get it on Umatics or something. Laserdisc. Laserdisc. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That's So, uh, I don't know. Should we talk a little bit about, like, who he had assembled to in the making of this movie? Because it's crazy the amount of, like, insane artists and like people that he had somehow convinced although i read that mick jagger doesn't remember ever meeting him that sounds about right well, i mean it's mick the jagger, party so. that this was probably yeah. at i'm surprised and anyone Warhol's, remembers yeah. anything <laughs> yeah so that's uh since i said his name already mick jagger he had kind of tapped to play fade interesting which okay I'll say Mick this. Jagger at his height of at, oh yeah, Mick Jagger in the seventies. Yeah, could have done it. Hot sure. tamale. I just don't know. Like, I can't see him fighting. No, in a movie. It was already <laughs> with Sting. It's still a bit of a stretch. <laughs> uh, that would be the issue for me. If Fade's character was entirely just slouching around, looking very sexual, which he which, is, is yeah. but he also has to fight. So you got to have the best of both. And I just don't know if Mick could do that. Yeah. <laughs> And he would have had to wear a lot of cod pieces, according to the costume design. Yeah, the costume design is nuts. And I actually like some of it I'm like not sold on, but a lot of it I like because it's very colorful. And that's one thing that's always missing from Dune adaptations in Dune is color. uh, Mobius. Yes. uh, Who uh, was a uh, comic book artist. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, just an artist. I shouldn't just specify comic books. Uh, But... So he used a lot of color, um, and they're all very the, extra. The, the, well, the character designs are all very Mobius. Um, yeah, but yeah, like Paul in the one picture that they showed, the one character design looks like Prince Nuada from Hellboy Two, <laughs> <laughs> which I would be on board for if he wasn't freaking fourteen years old. Precisely. Yeah. Uh, this is a pro Nuada podcast. We've discussed yes, this. We're, we're very um, open about this fact. <laughs> but everyone's just got yeah, just like feathers and like scale like armor and cod pieces and there's a lot of asian influence too which i actually kind of um liked seeing i I don't mean to sound it for for that to sound like it's weird i like seeing asian influence in like the costume design and a lot of that stuff too so that was although 
in yeah. all the cast still white. Still white, yeah, still white. for sure. I, I will, I will say that like that's that was probably my favorite part of the documentary as a whole is just seeing all of the art and seeing all of the designs mm-hmm. for the different things. Like you, you guys brought yeah. up the pirate stuff earlier. Like our our spacecrafts or aircrafts, like is that a thing in Dune? It is, but not. I mean, they they exist, but you don't spend you don't really spend any time on them, okay. mm-hmm. especially in the first like three or four books. Mm-hmm. Um, and you don't really, you know, there's so there's a spacing guild basically. The guild navigators they run everything pretty much, mm-hmm. and like they're very much like a political faction that everyone is dealing with throughout this story, throughout all the books, but. You don't really spend a lot of time in space or on ships. Okay. And you don't learn a lot about what the ships look like or necessarily, like you get, like some of them, you get little descriptions here and there, yeah. but it's not a book that gives a ton of description. Uh, it's very like lightly sketched out. You know, we know that a house has pillars, but we don't learn anything else about it. And Yeah. So, so it uh, is, it is kind of a thing where someone with a really, unique take or an interesting idea could create something really um, extravagant and, and I don't know, magical from that because you are given just a, a brief sketch of this kind of stuff. And I think that's what, that's what Yodorowsky seems to be going for, especially with, you know, mm-hmm. cl- uh, pulling all of these different artists in with all these different styles and kind of trying to amass this really unique take on this world. And I, I liked that idea and I liked that aspect of it all. I just, I, 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 I just don't know if he could have pulled it off. <laughs> um, well, yeah, and I mean, especially because he hadn't read Dune, and I got the impression from what they were saying about the script that he only really kind of grazed it. <laughs> like he didn't really yeah. read the text, and the way he's talking about Dune is like a philosophy. He got the very wrongest message from the book. He got the opposite oh message God. of what was intended <laughs> here. <laughs> like um, it is not about like an exalted, you know, enlightened philosophy at all. No. <laughs> Almost the exact opposite. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but the, to to go back to we were naming this the squad as yes. it were so uh, yeah, Mick Jagger as as mm-hmm. Fade um, Mobius was uh, doing the he did the storyboards and I guess a lot of the like character and costume design yeah very beautiful mm-hmm. um, Chris Foss who is a, an English artist who did a lot of sci fi covers like book covers mm-hmm. designed a lot of the uh, the ships. I also enjoyed that his reaction to the whole thing was so English because <laughs> yeah. I felt like everyone else who was who, you know, like the French and Swedish and everything else was very continental Europe. were like, oh, it was this genius. It was this. And Chris Foss was sort of it was really great. I think he, I watched <laughs> one of his movies. Yeah, I think his is like the most <laughs> level headed sort of reaction yeah. and response to the whole thing. He was like, he did a good job <laughs> of motivating people. And I watched this insane movie and. You know, that's just how it goes. Like, but everybody else is talking about him in these very exalted terms as if he is yeah. a messiah <laughs> of film. And if the, he had been able to make this movie like cinema as we know, it would be changed dramatically. Like, it's just, yeah, <laughs> it gets a li- that. I think that goes back to what I was saying earlier about that whole like capital A artist thing. It's this idea mm-hmm. that your work 
is somehow like I don't know. I it, I have this weird idea or this weird thing in my brain of trying to like square doing something that you know is good and that could potentially be important and thinking that you are making something that is going to change the world and and <laughs> and, and, and to me like. I don't know that for whatever reason that strikes me as like incredibly pompous. Like there's, there's, mm-hmm. and maybe you're not, maybe you can't have humility. Maybe you can't be humble if you are going to make something that is potentially going to change the world or that you believe will, but that maybe it's just me. And that's why it rubbed me the wrong way. No, it's not just you. <laughs> <laughs> not at all. I mean, because I actually have in our show notes here that uh, on that, like on that thing, you know, people are, you know, he's talking about I'm an artist. I, I'm an artist. I'm an artist. I'm an artist. I refuse to compromise on my vision. But yet at the same breath, he's talking about literally raping Frank Herbert's work. Yeah. And like, so like mm-hmm. he, he demands respect, but gives none. So <laughs> I don't know. That's not, I mean, I know that that is a part of some artist in their, you know, their philosophy or whatever, but I'm not into that at all. Well, even just little anecdotes that I guess, you know, were supposed to be, because when, when you hear about him gathering all these people, he wanted to work on the movie. It's, it is very presented as being all just sort of serendipity. Like, you know, he just went to this party and Mick Jagger was there and he went to his agent's office and Mobius was there. Um, but he yells at Pink Floyd yeah. because they're eating burgers when yeah. he wants to talk to them about doing music for Dune. <laughs> when they were taking a break from recording Dark Side of the Moon, I think. So they probably needed those burgers. <laughs> yeah. And I, what? Like, people are allowed to eat, man. Like, <laughs> but it's, I mean, but it is like this, this, I, I guess it's that idea of this is a thing that is going to change everything everything as we know it and also it's a fucking movie like i mean yeah. <laughs> there are there have been important films throughout history like and and yes those those movies are worth celebrating for whatever reason whether good performances or good direction or whatever but like at the end of the day it's a movie like it it, it is important it's as important as you want to be and i say this as a person who went to grad school and studied film and did all this <laughs> stuff like movies are very yeah. important they're a big part of my life and a lot of people's lives and that's not to you know diminish their impact or their importance but you know it's a it's a movie like it's not <laughs> it's not going to like cure a disease and it's not going like if you're trying to cure cancer then f- by all means think that this is the most important work in the world and that it could <laughs> you know conceivably change life as we know it but if you're making a 14 hour film, um, <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know that 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 will, according to him, give you the effect of LSD. Uh, I don't know how that's going to, like, change things the way they believe it will. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I feel like it's like the things that change your life are always going to be like the small things that are personal to you. It's not going to be like some grand, like, you know, I've seen so many like great art cinema, you know, so much great art cinema, but none of it changed my life. You know what changed my life? Buffy the Vampire Slayer (laughs) changed my life. You know, it's always like the small things, the things that people set out to not change the world. They just want to, you know, make people happy. Like Mm -hmm. those are the things I feel like 
really become so special and important to people. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. Yeah. And especially in a circumstance like this where, yeah, like the novel like the novel Dune and the Dune series means mm-hmm. a lot to a lot of people, and people do get a lot out of it. But he, as, as you said, he's he took sort of the exact wrong things out of it, and then yeah. that was what was supposed to therefore, you know, change everything. And it's like, well, you can't just... You shouldn't just, you know, twist somebody else's philosophy and ride those coattails. A robot in Dune, (laughs) a robot. Well, to be slightly fair, they were gonna do the robot so that they didn't have to pay Salvador Dali a hundred thousand dollars a minute. (laughs) Yeah, but you can't have a thinking machine. Well, no. Oh, so that's that's not allowed. There are no robots in Dune. There are no robots, no computers. Um, Yeah, no, no AIs. Like nothing. No no, artificial intelligence. Yeah, yeah. Um, So it differs from a lot of sci-fi properties in that. So I can I get why I guess he was like, oh, it's sci-fi. There should be a robot. But yes, he (laughs) wanted Salvador Dali for the Emperor, whom he kept calling the Mad Emperor, which um, Shaddam's not really mad. No. Yeah. He's not a particularly good emperor, uh, but he's not mad. He's and, ambitious, but not yeah. mad. Yeah. And then Dali's muse, uh, I don't know if they were in a relationship, but uh, Amanda Lear as a Rulin, although it kind of sounds like he just was like, hey, and uh. also we'll cast her too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But Dali wanted $100,000 a minute, so they decided that he That's would, a baller move. I'll give him that. I mean, I guess when you're Dali... Yeah. Um, but he didn't also, he was asking for all kinds of other stuff because he wanted to be in the movie. And then his, you know, Amanda Lear was just like, Oh, by the way, he's going to set this thing on fire. Cause that's what he does. <laughs> he's going to want a helicopter and he wanted an elephant and all sorts of stuff. He wanted to light and, a giraffe on fire, <laughs> which yeah. is like, okay. Why? <laughs> all right, dude. Uh, but they decided that he would only be on screen for for three minutes <laughs> and they would pay him a hundred thousand dollars a minute and then they were going to make a model of him to use as a robot yes and that would do all the the talking and the interacting and whatever this is an extreme robot they're gonna build and also they <laughs> should be glad that they weren't trying to make this after back to the future too because crispin glover you know you can't do that anymore <laughs> <laughs> well, well okay so was uh, there was their intention for it to be seen as a robot or was it their intention to you just not notice that it's a robot that it has, has replaced the real person <laughs> I guess it was supposed to be that he was always speaking through. Oh, like, I a see. Decoy, okay, I missed like that. Like a Princess Amidala type situation. Yeah. But instead of using human shields, it was going to be a robot. Okay. Uh, actually, more in Dune, it would be human shields because again, yeah. they're robots. Uh, I'm surprised he didn't just want to get people to dress as Dali because. I feel like yeah. that would be very much him. Like, you could have just had him, like, lingering or looming in the background, not even saying anything, you know. Uh, but th- even that, you know, he couldn't... When he wanted to talk to Dali about being in the movie, he sent him a note on a tarot card. <laughs> you guys. I swear I mean, to God. If they, if they had the only way I'm communicating with you guys from now on, by the way. If they had gotten to the point of actually being able to make the movie, do you think that it would have... Like, do you think they even would have gotten it done? 
no, I don't see how. I mean, if you saw like those sets that um, one of the other names we didn't mention yet, um, Giger. Oh, HR Giger. Who, yes, yeah. was. And I, I found this fascinating that he wanted different artists working on different parts of the film. So like Giger was brought on to just just handle like the Harkonnens. No, I like you know, that. I like that. And I like that yeah, a lot. That was, and I think that's a very cool concept. I mean, even even the whole, like, when he we mentioned Pink Floyd, too, like, he wanted different music for, like, different worlds and, and whatnot. Mm-hmm. I thought, the, like, and having the different artists to work on these different aspects of the film and kind of give each area its own sort of unique style, I thought it was really cool. Like, it's a cool idea mm-hmm. to do that. I, I can't yeah. think of... I can't think of anyone doing anything like that now um yeah and i feel like there should be because everything like everything is just getting so homogenized and just kind of looking the same like i don't know i i haven't seen the new spider-man movie yet but i was like how does this look different from all the last like six you know marvel mcu movies And I think even directors who do have very distinct styles, I'm thinking of mm-hmm. someone like, you know, Tarsem with, sure. uh, it's still, you can tell that's him. Mm-hmm. You know, if you watch The Cell, you're like, okay, yeah, this is a Tarsem movie. Like when he did yes. that Wizard of Oz TV show, it was like, yeah, this is a Tarsem TV show. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's amazing to look at. It's beautiful. And I love his style. But yeah, it's just like, if he did Dune, uh, it would be glorious but you'd be like yeah there's a lot of flowing draperies well it's because <laughs> yes. it's interesting because like i'm i am now uh, a part of the art directors guild uh i live in in los angeles cool. and so i through work i got uh, put into the to the guild and um and i was thinking about that like is that even i i mean i know this is not necessarily how you think about art necessarily but um, I was thinking about, is that even possible to have all of these different voices? Because there's usually like a production designer and an art director, and those are kind of your go-to people, and they sort of direct everyone else underneath them to get what they want. And so you have like a very, like you have a director who brings in their own production person because it's someone they've worked with before, it's someone they trust, and that's the only person they have to deal with. And then that person wrangles everybody underneath them. And in this system, it didn't seem like there was that. It just seemed like it was Yodorovsky and then all of these people that he was getting to do stuff. And, like, I don't mm-hmm. even know if you could do something like that now. Like, if you were trying to make, uh, a you know, a union production, um, mm-hmm. if that was even if that would even be possible. <laughs> and obviously, Yodorovsky wasn't concerned with that because he says in the beginning, like, he <laughs> didn't know how to make movies and he didn't consult with the... Mexican Directors Guild. He just made his thing and he learned it as he went. And, you know, he created this stuff and he didn't care if it didn't sort of fit. Uh, he didn't want in anyone to tell him how to make his art. That's true. I mean, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> this is uh, but I feel I feel like that's also- what 60s and 70s movies were a lot. Like it was just random yeah. people mm-hmm. figuring out how to make stuff, like not knowing what they were doing. Yeah. Like you'll watch early. Yeah. Uh, like early Scorsese movies and there's like shaky cameras everywhere and scenes aren't framed <laughs> properly and like all this stuff. And it's just, yeah. it, and you yeah. realize that it's just this young guy who is, I'm going to tell this story and here we go. And like, we're going to figure it out as we are putting it together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it also would, 
I realized belatedly, and I don't, I don't know at what point you bring these sorts of people into the production process, but I would imagine it would be early on. There wasn't anyone on the technical side, but him, it's like, so you're going to write it and shoot it, I guess. And you're the cinematographer and you're every director. And like, are there (laughs) going to be, you know, unit directors or any, no, just what's going on. Yeah. (laughs) And I mean, maybe they just didn't want to interview like those sorts of people, but it just struck me. It was like, so yeah, I was curious just do it all with the, with the HR Giger stuff as well. Like, were these all going to be matte paintings? Were they going to be like small scale models? Like you, you have that one, I think it's that one moment. I think it's Chris Foss who is talking about how you might go about constructing the stuff but like I, w- mm-hmm. I was curious about that too. Like, how would that work? Who would be responsible well, see, for building that? What would it look like? Yeah, and that's kind of what I was getting to with your original question. Was like, like if you look at those sets, like, I mean, most of that would have like the Harkonnen castle. That would have to be a backdrop. There's no way you could build yeah. that, like no. full set. It was. It's massive. It was huge. Mm-hmm. And P.S. Did you know that the Baron's fat? <laughs> So fat. He's so fat. Hugely fat. I mean, that's what made he's evil is powered by fat. <laughs> and I also disagreed with this I, concept because, like, and so the concept for the Baron's like fortress was mm-hmm. a giant model of himself, which is just not really the aesthetic of Dune. Yeah, no. Like, well, you barely hear about, there's like, you know, three mentions of portraits of people. Like, I don't see it being. If the fortress was going to look like anyone and the Baron was living there, it would look like Fade. Oh my God. It would just look like it would be a an giant, 18 year old. Like reclining. <laughs> ripped. Young like man. ripped. Yeah. So it would be that, that Jeff Goldblum Jurassic Park meme, but as a building. Yes. Yes. And it as would. a very young man, because yeah, the Baron is like an eighteen-year-old man. That's also his his deal. Yeah, uh, and yeah. So that part was kind of like I mean, that's very cool looking, but it's not really Dune. practical. <laughs> well, like, pra- I mean, but practicality you know. to men making great art means nothing. Yes, mm. apparently so. Then that's why I have my doubts as to whether or not they could actually pull it off and so i i assume a lot of it would have to be sort of miniatures because Mm -hmm. dan o'bannon when they because he found him he saw the movie dark star which is a john carpenter movie that those are miniatures i mean like they weren't building actual spacecrafts or anything so (laughs) i mean so he would have known how to do that i don't know they didn't get into that because you know it was all just art Capital A art. Capital A art. <laughs> um, so, also, uh, who you know, else did we have on the on in the team though? I I will just really quick. I, H.R. Giger sure has a motif. <laughs> he had. Yeah. Yes, yeah. R&D. He. he oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, because obviously there's there's a very clear xenomorph face on one of those versions oh, yeah. of that building yeah. that he oh, just yeah. was like, I like that idea. I'm going to recycle it. Uh, yeah. And, I mean, it's in a lot of his art. Like, if you go and look at his, like, paintings and stuff, oh, yeah. that's in there mm-hmm. a lot. And I don't know if a lot of that was before Aliens or, or this. 
or afterwards, but yeah, you see that a lot in his work. I think he developed it more for mm-hmm. Alien, uh, but yeah, like those those themes were always there. Uh, also, yeah. you know, with with Dune being no like robots or thinking machines, H.R. Uh, Giger mm-hmm. couldn't go because that guy has a robot voice. <laughs> it's just German. <laughs> he does not sound how you would think he sounds, and I think that that's always every time I've seen an interview with him or just heard Matt Gorley. Yes, do that's what I was going to say. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think of him as being hey, really Giger. <laughs> Um, it's, it's like, really? Okay. And that's unfair. Like, he, I, I, you know what? He's doesn't have to be like in a cloak or something and, you know, doing that art, but yeah, it's just like, really? Just, I mean, okay. you do expect someone that's like, looks more like Marilyn Manson. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then have this very like mild mannered older gentleman. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> uh, so, so the one that really got me Oh I, I bet I know what you're going to say Was Orson Welles <laughs> Yes I knew it <laughs> <laughs> Who uh, <laughs> So he wanted, Orson Welles. he wanted Orson Welles to play the Baron And people were telling him Because this is in the 70s So this was sort of you know When Welles was you know starting projects he didn't finish And you know, I don't know, like Peter Bogdanovich lived with them or whatever was going on. Um, <laughs> so they went Can I to- just make a quick confession? I've always had this very weird crush on Peter Bogdanovich. Like, <laughs> I know it's wrong, <laughs> but I do. It, like the big glasses and like looking at pictures of him in the 70s, I don't know, it does something for me. You just love neckerchiefs? Yes, I am into the ascot. <laughs> And the big glasses, like the whole thing, like when he played, um, when he, he was on the Sopranos, I was like, oh yes, <laughs> finally something for me. When he was on Criminal Intent a lot as their version yes, of. I was into pets. it. <laughs> like, okay. I have oh. a lot of really weird crushes, but that's maybe my most inexplicable. <laughs> Continue. I was recently told by by someone that we we all know that they they always had a thing for young, I believe it was young Harry S. Truman. <laughs> I thought that was going to top everything. But well, no. young Harry Truman was a babe. Okay. Yeah. So, well, young Orson Welles, a babe. So. Oh yeah, very much. Uh, very much so. But this is this is Latter Day Wells. Mm. Uh, so. They went to a restaurant that they were told he frequented because, I guess, at the towards towards the end he just ate a lot. They bought him bought him some wine, and he said he didn't want to make movies anymore. So, so uh, he's like, he, "Oh yes, you do. Yes, you do." And Yoroski said, "Well, I will get the chef from this restaurant." to like work personally on the movie and you can just eat the food from this restaurant every day that you're on set. And he said, I'll do it. (laughs) (laughs) And frankly, I mean, some restaurants I enjoy, I'd probably agree. Yeah, for real. (laughs) I'd be like, well, all right, fine. I guess unlimited soup salad and breadsticks. It's amazing. Josh, for you, it'd be sizzler. (laughs) 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 <laughs> I 
did recently enjoy your um you have a podcast projector cast and on your patreon feed you guys have episodes where you and your co-host former guest of this show brian skinner just talk about stuff i really enjoyed your episode about going to visit the oh Sizzler. yeah that was yes, exciting times very, very funny <laughs> um uh. yeah i the, the orson wells thing um that uh that was that was interesting like i i generally i like orson wells most of his stuff and and it would have been interesting to see him like the the cast of this movie was was going to be kind of crazy, right? Like you have Orson Welles and yeah. you have yeah. Dali in the same movie. Do those characters share any scenes? Uh, no, oh, okay. not in the no. book. Maybe yeah. they would have but, in this or movie. Or maybe at the end, Megan, do, are they all in the pa- palace at Arakeen at the yeah, end? Yeah, no, they they are. Yeah. Okay, so one scene. Yeah, I mean, one yeah. scene. That would have been wild. You know who they? You know who they didn't talk about the casting for? Jessica. And the Reverend Mother, basically any yeah. woman, Cheney, he and said, Alia. I, at first, I will say this: I was yeah. very impressed at first when he was first discussing Jessica because he was talking about how she was this wise woman and you mm-hmm. know this marvelous woman, which I was like, all right, cool, you know, it's still true. But then it all went downhill. <laughs> what when there. she turns a block, drop of blood uh, into jizz? Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> okay. at a certain point, after they've assembled said crew. Yeah. They start talking about some of the plot points. And for some reason, <laughs> it was decided in this version that the Duke Leto would have been castrated. Actually, I know why, why? they did they made that decision because I looked closely at one of his comic books when he was talking about reusing some of the plot points and some of the yeah. art with his comic books. So you know the bull yeah. that killed his father. I do. Well, apparently, it also gored Leto and made him a eunuch. Yeah. Yeah. Which and is, his first. I, I hate this. I hate it so much. <laughs> and his first concubine was there with their other son. Oops. No. Sure. Yeah. No. <laughs> the original retcon. <laughs> so, at this point, you know he's saying, "Well, if he's castrated, how can they have their child? How can they have Paul?" And, you know, he does talk about how, like, Jessica is amazing and Lita really loves her. So she uses her Benny Gesserit, I guess, magical powers to take a drop of his blood, turn it into semen, and then we would have watched the entire, like, the opening to Look Who's Talking. <laughs> yes. Uh, we'd have That's watched all I every- could think of when it's- he was talking about that was Look Who's Talking. And also... I'm a little concerned if he thinks that you just turn like blood to semen and then like what he does. Does he think all the semen like goes to the? I mean, that's not how it works necessarily. Yeah. No, uh, you have children, sir. Um, <laughs> I just all right. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. The I it bothers me that the women, especially this woman, was not allowed. Or, like, the script was not allowing her to be a woman, to be a physical woman, to be a sexual being. Like, mm-hmm. it had to be this exalted, like, it couldn't be this dirty physical thing. It had to be this exalted spiritual thing to make this messiah. And it's just like, you didn't read the book. So there, there's <laughs> yeah. nothing no, like they that, have right, sex. in the book? No, no, they oh, have okay. sex. Like, 
Yeah, no. She's his concubine and the They sex. do it the old-fashioned way. She yeah. is able to control, like, you know, what gender her baby's going to be, but that's about okay. it. But, I mean, like, it's not given the vast significance that it seems to be in his script. <sighs> well, it is, but not on the same okay. level. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, no, they just do it. Yeah. Um, the old-fashioned way. I mean, we assume. We don't get any details. Who <laughs> yeah, knows no. what those two are up to? But I'm assuming it was... Because uh, I will say one thing is that um, you don't want Frank Herbert to write a sex scene. <laughs> oh, no. I mean, most male writers, it's my rule of thumb. Guys, just don't write sex scenes, please. Beef swelling. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. He refers to an erection as a beef swelling. <laughs> I always forget that. Oh. I can never forget that. <laughs> There's a also horrible surprise every well, time. That's a, that's a new also... thing that's entered into my vocabulary now. I'll be, <laughs> I'll be using it regularly. You need to say it on a predicted cast somehow. Okay. And yes. you don't tell Skinner you know it beforehand. <laughs> okay. And just... Wait to see if he notices. <laughs> like, wait, what? <laughs> Josh, let's talk. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, of all the Bene Gesserit skills, that's the worst <laughs> one, I think, is turning yeah. blood into jizz. I don't like it. <laughs> and I don't, I'll be honest, I because when we see the storyboards, because mm. a lot of the documentary has sort of the storyboards and the art animated, yeah. So you Which see, is cool. It's I cool. Think it's really cool to look at. But I was crudely waiting for the drop of blood to turn white. <laughs> yeah, so I was too. I, I, same, I yeah. was like, <laughs> I was like, okay, so she's transmogrified it into semen. Why is it still red? <laughs> yeah. I don't like that. No. What's wrong that's with you, Lita? That's, that's time to problem. go to the doctor. <laughs> oh, you don't want to see the doctors there. <laughs> <laughs> no, you don't. They'll betray uh, you. Could they do that for? Could they do that? I mean, if that's one of their powers, could they just? Could they just do that to anybody they didn't like? Just turn all of their blood <laughs> to semen? Oh God! It's a horrible way to die. But it's it's oh. not. Is the thing they can only control their own bodies. Unless they're using the voice, but you can't that's... use the voice to say like your blood is all semen now. <laughs> How he died. Works. How did that's, he die? He's got a bunch of cum in his heart. <laughs> oh, that's, that's don't that's, we all <laughs> really? That's a deleted scene from the Dark Tower movie. Oh, Just God. Matthew McConaughey. Your blood is semen. Oh no! Uh, speaking oh of dying, Lido yeah. is also chopped to pieces. Oh, I, I was wondering about that. Peter with a pair of pinchers. Yeah. No tooth. No tooth. No, he he does die. Uh, spoiler alert. But, you know, that's any hero's journey is the dad's got to go. It's mm-hmm. like a Disney movie with moms. Yes. Um, but he, <laughs> oh boy, <laughs> their traitorous doctor gave him a poison tooth. Oh. And so when he's confronting the Baron, he's taken prisoner by the Baron, he's supposed to bite on it and, you know, kill everybody. Uh, And he misses the Baron, but he gets a few other characters, including one that was in all of the character design when they showed the Harkonnens. And I was like, 
you're in one scene and you die. All right. But you <laughs> so, look great. Okay. So yeah. wait, so he, uh, so Leto does that to himself to take out some of the other bad guys. Mm-hmm. So he like sacrifices mm-hmm. himself yeah. to do a good yeah. thing. He's going to die anyway. Uh, but, he's, yeah. but he's trying to like even the odds or whatever, but he's not mm-hmm. getting just cut yeah. up with a bunch of pinchers. <laughs> okay. No, no. <laughs> No, that's horrifying. And like, I was horrified. That character is very into pain and torture. Mm -hmm. And he does think about some things he would like to do to various characters. But actually, there are lots of stuff about tallow. But no, there's nothing about cutting people's But that sort of takes away a little bit of the heroicness of that character, right? Just by being cut into pieces and put in a box. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I would what, say are they so. sending that box to somebody? Like, who? You don't know where Jessica and Paul are. I guess they changed that shit, too. Well, no, because they were in the scene, he, Peter was asking him where they were. Oh, right, right, right. I don't even know. Maybe they're sh- showing it to the Emperor or something. I can't think the Emperor would be very happy about that. No, because he, he specifically wanted them him to not suffer. I could definitely see it happening once he... There was also the announcement, he's not in the documentary, that Peter was going to be played by Udo Kier. <laughs> yes. uh, yeah. I'm like, yeah, no, he'd chop a dude up I with I forgot pinchers. about that, too. Man, this cast would have been crazy. <laughs> I'd still like to see that. I think he could just still do it. They don't oh, totally. Really no, there's no age limit on men I tats. just recently, I feel like I just recently, oh, no, it wasn't Udo Kier. It was well, I guess, I guess since we're talking about the cast, we should talk about his son, right? Oh, oh yeah, this oh. poor kid. Yeah. So he was how old when 12? this started? Twelve. Twelve. Yeah. Um, this is child <laughs> abuse. Yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty insane. I think. I and I feel like don't even in the seventies there had to be rules about what you could do with child actors. I mean, there had to be, right? Like, they didn't have the yeah. Bad News Bears doing, well, like, Well, I think, again, I, I think we have to keep in mind that he's not going to, like... He's not talking to, to anybody about the right things to do. Like, he already, you know, this is not going to talk to the Mexican Directors Union or anything like that. Like, and he's doing all of this before he's even gotten funding to to yeah. proceed with this thing. So like maybe if a major studio had gotten involved and you know given them the money to do this and were backing it, they would have maybe had a bit more oversight on like how he was dealing with this kid, but the 2 years prior when they're preparing this, he's oh making this kid practice multiple fighting techniques 6 hours a day every day, day. for 2 years. That's insane. For 2 oh years. This poor kid. I mean, I bet he probably could have killed me with his feet <laughs> still. Um, I, I mean, did, you see, just as an aside, sorry, uh, no. I did just recently see Udo Kier in a movie I thought I had. Yes, he was in uh, the newest Jeff Goldblum movie, The Mountain. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. so he was in that. I didn't really care for the movie, but his perform and his performance was short, but it was very uh, effective and kind of chilling. He's in a really gross episode of Masters of Horror, and that's what mm. I always think of. <laughs> Sorry, I did not mean to interrupt you. Continue. No, I, well, it's, it's one of these things with like directors and like their kids being in their movies because I do think that there are times that you kind of go, okay, like I mean, any yeah. any Argento movie Asia yeah. has ever been in, you're just like, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, um, uh, or like even if you watch something like Excalibur. Like, all of John Borman's kids are in that, and some of it, it's like, 
mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. All right. Uh, <laughs> You're doing okay. a real crazy dance there. <laughs> uh, but yeah, t- for your 12 year old to decide like, oh, I'm going to turn him into Paul Atreides. Like, no, that's not even method. Like you don't Mm-mm. have to like literally be the character like that. And I don't, yeah. You know, you hear about actors doing that sort of thing now. It's like, you know, oh, if you're going to be Thor in The Avengers, like, yeah, you know, Chris Hemsworth is doing, you know, every day four yes. hours in the gym. Yeah. But he's not 12. No, exactly. <laughs> and he has the part. Right. <laughs> in an existing film. Yeah. He's getting paid. Yeah. Like, this poor kid. <laughs> poor Brontus. Yes. He was not uh, getting paid. And then I felt like I was overreading any of the scenes where he was talking. I was like trying to search his face. I was like, "How are you, you okay? Feel? Are you okay? Like, <laughs> yeah. how are you doing?" I mean, he, he kind of yeah. You're really good. He looking. does say uh, he was like training with that guy was really brutal, and that guy has no sympathy for me, despite the fact that I was a twelve-year-old. Like, he was like my trainer was <sighs> incredibly difficult, and like he just <laughs> he just beat me to death basically uh, every day <laughs> while we worked out. Yikes. Oh my god. This poor child. I mean, he's a grown man now, but still. Yeah. Uh, let's put a few more inches between me and dad and this. <laughs> I know. Me, I guess, sorry, uh, me me and Alejandro. Alejandro. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he'd already been in a couple of his movies. Yeah. Because he's in El Topo. Right. Um completely naked, poor child. Yeah, apparently. I've never um, seen it, but I, this- I saw the clips in the yeah, documentary. yeah. No, I, as I was telling you guys before we started recording, like when I first moved to Portland, there was a, some, you know, we had like a someone we knew from an, a Facebook group and was like, oh, you got to see you. If you like if you like Yodorowsky's Dune, you got to see his movies, man. You got to watch the Holy Mountain. And I was like, I don't need to do that. <laughs> My life's been going on just fine for 40 years. I'm not going to die because I haven't seen the Holy Mountain. Yeah, I, the, even just the parts that were in this. I was like, that's there fine. Is a, there is yeah. a... Um, I got it. I got it. There's <laughs> uh, there's an internet uh, art collective. Uh, you guys know them. Uh, everything <laughs> is terrible. And yes. they, I haven't watched it yet. I own it, have not watched it. I thought I was going to wait until I had seen... Uh, Holy Mountain before I watched it, but I think I'll just skip it and watch their version. But basically, they remade <laughs> Holy Mountain using clips from dog movies. <laughs> <laughs> I freaking love everything is terrible. I thought you were going to say Dogma, and I was like, what? Yeah, no, they, they <laughs> yeah. found a, I mean, Dogville. So I need to, I need to sit down and watch that. That sounds amazing. <laughs> that sounds pretty good, actually. Yeah, I would watch that. Yeah, that I'd watch. <laughs> this is why we had to have you on, Josh, because you're the only one that we know that enjoys trash cinema as much as we do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just... <laughs> so much of it and how everything was, you know, these people that were working on the movie were all spiritual warriors. And yeah. It's like, okay, but... The, you're no, not. you're making no a lady movie. warriors. Ladies, no ladies were not no. allowed to be warriors. Let's just talk about this. Let's just get it out there. The only women in the documentary mm-hmm. uh, that speak are uh, Diana Bannon, uh, Diana Bannon's widow, yes, and uh, Amanda Lear, uh, Dolly's former partner, Muse, because both of those gentlemen are deceased and couldn't be, you know, in the documentary themselves. 
And that's it. Yeah. There are two critics that talk about Dune in the beginning. Yeah. Go ahead, They're Josh. both white men. Well, yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't have any problems with Drew McQueenie. Like, I think he's fine. Uh, but, yeah, yeah. It, it, I mean, hindsight, you know, 2019, but, uh, <laughs> but Devin Faraci's all over this thing. And it was yeah. like, I was very surprised to see him pop up. Because I guess this is from 2014, so maybe mm-hmm. some of that this stuff hadn't come out yet. But... Yeah, I believe this is before a lot of the allegations or accusations oh, yeah. ab- ag- yeah. about him came out. Um, yeah, ew. Yeah, so that was that was a little <laughs> weird, but yeah, it does it does feel strange. We also get uh, Nicholas Winding Refn and and Richard Stanley, mm-hmm. uh, you know, two two other filmmakers. Um, I think I would argue, I guess that Refn is pretty pretty popular ish you know he's made he's made mm-hmm. some movies that have gotten traction that people know he he's not has his fans yeah he's not obscure sure. he, i mean he's his spiritual son i oh read that boy. he says that yodoreski like adopted him in a spiritual way How, i guess he couldn't have a spiritual daughter <laughs> well or no anything. uh That's i mean I, I like some of his stuff some of his other stuff i don't enjoy but um like he's he's fine he's hit or miss for me and and then richard stanley is like uh, hardware is something and <laughs> and this is the guy who tried to make uh the the island of dr moreau which that that documentary is also pretty good the uh, island of lost mm-hmm. souls or something like that it, yeah. where yeah, yeah. it details him trying to get this movie made and failing miserably mm-hmm. and like having all these problems <laughs> and getting kicked off the set and you know other people having to come in and finish it and stuff and like I, I mean, it makes. Is this the one that had uh, what's his name, Marlon Brando? Yes. yes. Okay, I saw that. Where in the at times theater. he like wouldn't talk to people. He would like go to his private island and be like, "I'm not filming <laughs> right now." I saw like, that movie in the theater by myself. Like, it, it makes sense. Your big, big Farouz of Balk fan. <laughs> yeah, I guess it makes so. sense that they would talk to him because he's kind of he was in a similar situation. Um, yeah, but like mm-hmm. everything else I've seen by him is just like eh, so so. Um, but it's he's, not even he's doing like, that new color. That does space, look cool. So, so I, I will give mm-hmm. him that. That does look pretty interesting. It's not even like the people that they chose to speak in the documentary. It's the fi- and granted, okay, I know the seventies were a different time, but you can't tell me that there were no women artists at the time. Yeah. There were no women musicians at the time. There were no like women making comic books at the time. Like I know that that is factually untrue yeah, it was just not what and he was interested it, in yep. yeah i mean he's, he's not interested in any kind of female point of view i got it whatever uh it's it's really frustrating you know it's mm-hmm. not only to not have the female voice and female perspective on this movie that was never made but the fact that we had everywhere you look it's people saying it's the greatest movie never made. And I'm just like, have you read? <laughs> I don't think that this, I'm glad that this didn't get made. I don't know that I would have loved Dune the way that I love it now. Had I seen this movie? Yeah. And I mean, and I, I enjoy stories about, about movies that were never made or that mm, have gone mm. through lengthy things, but it was just sort of like, okay, you know, I could also be reading like a long form piece about the thief and the cobbler right now or something. Yeah. Like, I don't know, <laughs> like this could, there could be more things I could be doing with my time. Sure. But yeah, it's frustrating that when they chose 
you know, contemporary talking heads. It's like, oh, mm-hmm. ladies don't like Dune, I guess. <laughs> right. I mean, it would. I think it would have helped balance it a little bit if if they had had a, mm-hmm. a a woman critic there, like you know, someone who who had some. Uh, you know, some of the same knowledge that these these guy critics have and could talk about mm-hmm. it and say, like, why it would be important or why it would be good. Or even, I mean, I know that's not, I know you don't have to give equal sides, but it would have been interesting to see someone think, like, it's probably good that this movie didn't get made. Like, just to have that in there <laughs> as, like, a weird dissenting voice. But I know, I know that's not the yeah. documentary they were trying to make. I get it. But, like, it's yeah. always interesting when... They they will throw those things into documentaries of like, yeah, I know this is our main character for this for this documentary, mm-hmm. but also I don't think that was a good decision or even having one of yeah. like Dan O'Bannon's wife say that she didn't think that it would have been a good idea or something like no one really <laughs> yeah. dissents. No. Yeah, no, and it's I, entirely just praise, 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 praise. Yeah, it's a little exhausting, honestly. And I actually, after we finished watching this, I went and looked online just to see, like, what kind of think pieces can I, uh, you know, trudge up? Because this is, obviously, this is a five-year-old movie, so there's it's bound to be a bit buried. But I did find a really good article on Tor.com, and I'm going to recommend everyone read it by Emily Asher Perrin about um, why it didn't get made and why we should kind of be grateful for the fact that it didn't get made. And I was expecting like a lot of the comments to be very strong dissenting voices and they refreshingly weren't for the most part. So that was nice. Yeah, I didn't see this for a long time. Like this is the first time that I've watched it because it did feel for a while afterwards that a lot of discourse that I did see about Doom kind of latched onto it as, Mm. well, the the Lynch movie is so terrible, but like this could have been something. And I think that's sort of died down. Like I was Mm -hmm. doing a little like searching today on some of the forums and a lot of people were just like, no, I mean, it would have looked cool, but it wouldn't have been Dune. Right. But it just, yeah, I just was like, I don't I, I like I, the Lynch movie and I, I know don't think, he, you know, so I'm he just, really delighted in, in like shitting on the Lynch movie. And it's like, it's bad. It's so bad. I'm like, it wasn't that bad. Like at least it's he, not good, but it's not that bad. Well, but at least he was like, well, it was obviously producers. Cause David Lynch, you know, mm-hmm. is like, I respect him. And I was like, all right, at least there's but that I, I think it like, comes down yeah. to like, it's not the movie that he was going to make. And so yeah. nothing can be, that good like if it's sure. not if it's not the thing that that i wanted to do that i the way that i saw it in my brain and the way that i put it on paper like it can't it can't be good because it's not that thing like that singular thing mm-hmm. yeah even at the end he says that they could do like a good animated movie now i would watch it using as an animated script. yeah but like of course it was it. using his you know yeah. his book like his I mean, I'd still watch it. I would probably hate oh, yeah. it, but I would still watch it because it is absolutely the wrong message of for Dune. So, should we talk about his ending? Yes, <laughs> let's let's talk about that ending. So, at the end of his his movie, Paul is killed, actually killed, full on yes. throat slit. I'm assuming yeah. that doesn't happen um, in the book. N- no. It does not. No. 
No, there's a big. Um, it's a, it's a very like Hamlet moment with uh, Paul fighting Fade, uh, who is kind of his cousin, sort of. Yeah. Spoiler. Yeah. Um, for you know, for supremacy of Arrakis and Dune, you know, Dune. And oh, also, so when they showed the storyboards for the scene, Alia was there. Was that another blood drop? <laughs> yeah, seriously, because they Alia had two is, kids. Yeah, they have two children. Yeah, Paul and Alia. <laughs> um, so Paul dies. Yeah, and then everybody starts talking in Paul's voice because now he is in everyone. Yes, and, and then, they're all like doing. Yeah, I, that's exactly what I was right. thinking. <laughs> <laughs> and then only they're all speaking with his voice. Arrakis becomes this verdant paradise, and it gets a ring. It like is Saturn. It's conscious. It it's becomes a, conscious, a living planet. It becomes a living like Kurt planet. Russell in and it, <laughs> to the galaxy, right? And it goes through the galaxy, spreading light and knowledge. That is not Dune. <laughs> Absolutely not. That is not. Okay. First of all, enlightenment is not the final takeaway message of Dune at all. The final takeaway message of Dune is don't worship men. Do not have heroes. Don't have heroes. Don't prop men up as pedestal on pedestals. Like don't follow men. That is like the lesson of Dune. Don't have messiahs. Don't don't have heroes. It's just bad. You know the the Paul does not die in the end of Dune. No, uh, he is in several other books. Yeah, should we tell Josh? Should we just spoil it for Josh and tell tell him what Paul does with Go his for life? It. Yeah, so he starts a jihad Uh and basically wages war on the entire known universe. And then his son, millions of people die, millions of people die. And his son takes over and lives for 3,200, 3,800 years, something Mm -hmm. like that. Uh, and as a uh, giant worm, as a giant worm, man, that's the big worm uh, guy that you guys love. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, With the arms. Yeah. We do love the arms. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Arms and or abs. Or preferably both. But yeah, that's another that that actually is a perfect indication of how it's not fantastically described in the actual text. And that's why when you see fan art or even like, you know, actual art, canon art of Mm -hmm. Lido the second, you know, two point two point B. Yeah, he sometimes has arms, sometimes has abs, sometimes he's just a face on a worm. Like, you know, it, it, there's no consistency because in the book there's it's no, sort of like, I don't know, he's a worm. He's, he's a, a big worm, worm guy. Yeah. I mean, I, <laughs> that's the description. I kind of like... I, he gets a fiancé, though. Even worm guys get I, li- I like that, though. Yeah. I like that aspect of it. It's like, it sort of allows the the reader to kind of take their oh, own totally. thing into it. And that, and that yeah. kind of goes back to... Like what you were saying earlier about, you know, the Dune books meaning a lot to a lot of people. Um, And it's Mm -hmm. because maybe it's because they are so um, loose with their descriptions that it allows each person to kind of bring their own own things to it, which is sort of the exact opposite of what his movie would have been, which is very specific Mm -hmm. and a very like central vision that only comes from him. Mm -hmm. And it is exactly, Mm -hmm. this is exactly what you are going to believe Dune is because it's coming from me. And this is my thing. 
And <laughs> yeah, so I'm, I'm, I don't know. I'm, I, I find that interesting. Yeah. yeah. And the issue with any adaptation is of course things change because there's some things that just don't translate or they're yeah. going to take up too much time. But I have always had problems with when something changes that just seems so crucial that you think, really, why did you go this route with that? You know, Mm -hmm. and the ending of the Lynch movie is sort of like that. And this ending would have been like that. It's like, okay, if you want to make this movie about some sort of universal, you know, Messiah who ushers us into like the age of Aquarius or whatever, (laughs) why is it Dune? Yeah, I mean, I swear to God, Megan, if I had sat through fourteen fucking hours <laughs> of this movie for it to end like that, I would. Yeah, I think that's the thing. Rioted. I think that's the thing we're getting that's away what from. That's I thought when I yeah. read "Stranger in a Strange Land," and that wasn't didn't take me fourteen hours, and I still got to the end of that book yeah. and went, "What?" Yeah. But that, yeah. Or for me, that was like like I've described this before. My first time seeing a Nicholas Sparks movie, "Message in a Bottle," where I sat through it with all the fucking commercials. And then, like, for it to end like that, I was like, fuck this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, and just to take such a shift in the message. Yes. And, such a huge monumental shift in the message. And I think people do, like, we've discussed this when we talk about the movie. You know, people will argue mm-hmm. that, you know, someone has the wrong hair color or they think that, they're that the wrong ethnicity. That You know, fine. Yeah. There's the endless memes about, you know, the differences and, you know, how Dumbledore tells asks Harry if he put his name in the Goblet of Fire, like, mm-hmm. you know, between the text and the movie. But... That's not changing the entire core of the story. Yeah, it's yeah. not. It's not shifting what the story is. Like it's it's keeping it mostly, uh, you know, moving in the same direction. Like, oh, this cat looks different, but like, it's not. Yeah, it, yeah. it's not. This is as if not even just to bring it back to a movie we just watched for the show, or you did. Um, not even the Dark Tower. Like, as bad and inept as that movie is, it doesn't shift the central theme of the story. No. That would be, like, if the tower got destroyed at the end, but then we were all still, like, living on a rainbow or something. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah. Or this is, like, if if Lord of the Rings ended with Frodo keeping the ring. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Like, no, I'm good. Like, I'll just take it to Tom Bombadil. It'll be fine. Yeah, I mean, you could have just, you know, fucking done that in the beginning, but well, he would have lost it. Fuck Tom Bombadil it. anyway. <laughs> I like Tom Bombadil. Whatever, he's annoying. <laughs> he's got a lot going on. He's no Radagast the Brown. <laughs> he's got a hot wife. Um, but it's like, well, even my personal moment, which is, you know, Faramir also trying to steal the ring, mm-hmm, which mm-hmm. is completely not what he does in the book no. whatsoever. But, hmm. but yeah, it's like, if, yeah, Frodo was just like, oh, I'm, I'm just going to keep this. I'll be fine with it. Like, oh, look, now I'm the king and it's yeah. amazing. It's like, wait, what? Hold, what? Hmm? Or like he gives it to Aragorn or something. And Aragorn's yeah. like, oh, yeah, cool. Now I've got this. <laughs> like, um, I so, feel like this was a different message. I don't. I think that that would have been enough um, to ruin the entire experience for me, honestly. Like, oh, yeah, it would have been a visually interesting experience, no doubt. But if that's the final message that we're walking away with, no, thank you. Yeah, especially after sitting through 14 hours of movie like that's that's the craziest (laughs) part. Like if you sit through a two hour movie and it's like. Okay, well, they changed a bunch of shit and they really got the message wrong, but it only wasted two hours. But if you sit there for the yeah. half of a day oh my God. and it's like, what was that? 
That's a whole day. That's a day of your life. It's time to go home and go to bed. And regret all of your choices. (laughs) And it's just, and isn't that kind of the message of 2001? Yeah. I mean, isn't that what we're supposed to get at the end of that? It's like, oh, a star child. I just, what? And no shade on anyone that is a huge Kubrick well, fan. Well, and that's like, a actually that's a good me. example because that's a guy who took and I and I know Bo that you're like a huge uh, Stephen King fan, but like oh we yeah, both but are like, yeah yep. oh okay, of course but like that that's mm-hmm. a that's a thing where he took that book and he changed it and he made it something different, but he didn't get away from what the book was. Like, no. as far as I understand it, you I mean, know? Stephen, if you listen to Stephen King, he yeah, totally did. But, but no, but he, he didn't, didn't like completely change the, the thesis and like, you know, yeah, they all no. live mm-hmm. happily ever after or something at the end. He changed the ending pretty much yeah. and left out some some of the more cheesy aspects of this, because I feel like one thing Stephen Living King. Living topiaries. Yeah. I think one thing Stephen King has never really like glommed onto is that he is super fucking corny. <laughs> Like, I just finished reading The Stand, and oh my laws. <laughs> to quote Tom Cullen. <laughs> He's so corny. He's so he is fucking just like corny. like your dad. He your is dad Uncle Steve, yes. Uncle Steve wrote a book, and uh, yeah. he also writes about sex in a way that you go, Steven. No, thank you. Steven. This is this is sort of uh, this is probably bad form to try to poach a podcast host. But Bo, when are you and I going to start our uh, Stephen King adaptations uh, podcast? Um, Josh, call me anytime. I'm down for that. We've we've sat times. through quite a we've sat through a couple. Uh, just um, you introduced me to the Night Flyer, which I will always love you for. Um, greatest movie ever. What a I fucking love Miguel Ferrer, first of all. It's so dope. It was just like, wait, he flies a plane? And he's yes, also a that's giant what that Batman. Means. <laughs> Why doesn't he just fly with his wings? Because he likes I don't understand. <laughs> I was so baffled and it was wonderful. Yeah, we watched a bunch of those. We watched like Dolan's Cadillac. Oh and, my god! Um, yeah, we went deep because I we we I'm very lucky to have um, movie madness here in Portland. If you're in the Portland area and you love obscure made for TV movies, that's a a place where you could probably find it. Ooh. Yeah, um, yeah, exciting. Josh. Anytime you want. To start that up, I am totally and, down. And Megan, please feel free to be a guest. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was to say, I'm like, ooh, like hashtag Javert gif. Just like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so on that note, we're running a little long. I yes. did want to put this out there. Maybe we could each name a director or two who's not Dennis Villanueva. Um, and I know I'm saying his name wrong, guys. I can't change my stripes. Is, is it not yeah. Villeneuve? It's Villeneuve. Okay. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, who we would have liked to see make do? Megan, you made a suggestion earlier that I was like, "Oh fuck, I wish I'd thought of that." Who was it? Tarsam. Yeah, Tar-Sam. that would yes. be really nice looking. Yeah, but that's would, the, it's like I wish that you could do like they were like we said earlier. You know, when he used the different artists with the different backgrounds, it would be really cool if Tarsem did like half of it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like I think that'd be really cool if he did like a lot of of the you know the pageantry mm-hmm. and, and like maybe even if he did like. You know, the Children of Dune. When there's a little more of of that yeah. kind of aspect to it. Uh, but my other suggestion was 
Duncan Jones. Oh, that oh, would be actually, I, I would like yeah. that. I mean, I know that a lot of people, I didn't see it, but a lot of people shit on that Warcraft movie, but the other stuff, it's <laughs> yeah. a Warcraft movie. <laughs> the mean, other stuff yeah. he's made has been really, really good. So I'll just roll out with mine. Um, because I've been talking about Crimson Peak a lot, so I would like to say mm. Del Toro would be my choice. Or, um, okay, my ideal partnership, bear with me on this. Okay. <laughs> um, Del Toro, for a lot of the visual aspects of it, and maybe some of the, and some of the story, but for the script, I would want Lynn Ramsey. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. That would be, uh, yeah, right. I think that would be good. Who was... Who Who's writing the script for the new one? I think you gave me a stumper. Hang on. Let me look it up. They wanted to just do, you know, to, like more focus on the, the Benny Gesserit than we could just oh. do like Sophia Coppola. Eric, mm-hmm. Eric Roth is writing the screenplay. He wrote f- the Forrest Gump screenplay. Oh, fun. <laughs> <laughs> Fun for uh, us. And the other guy who's working on it, uh, John Spates, wrote Prometheus okay. and Passengers and pause. The Mummy remake. Oh, I liked Prometheus. I did too. I, 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 I actually liked both of the new ones. I didn't hate them. I think there were there were definitely problems with them, and they had they had their fair share of issues. But I mean. Michael Fassbender playing a flute with himself is is really interesting cinema. So <laughs> I kind of will give it a pass on that alone. Um, and I like the space jockeys, and we got to see like their whole. Yeah, I, I I think that it's those are totally they're totally fine movies. Like you can hate mm-hmm. them and you can be mad that they're tied into the the larger alien mythos, and but you also again. As I said earlier, they're just movies. So if you don't like them, you don't have to watch them. You can just stick with the ones that you enjoy. Like if you just like, no, you have if you, to. They yeah, if you, you just like Alien, you just like Aliens. Just watch those two. It's totally fine. Like, yeah, I, I, I don't know. It's it's weird. I, I think it's this weird idea of of some film fans where like if one movie or a couple of movies in this series are bad then like it's somehow it's tainted the the rest of the things or it's just like this i, I don't know it, it it i get i've seen that some it's like this thing was terrible and so it kind of cast this weird light on this other thing that is really good and just like i don't know i i can understand that from a story level yes okay that's because i know with like book series i recently i uh had read it's like a romance like novel from the 80s one of those big fat ones but i found out after i finished it that it had a sequel that was written many years later and i started reading the sequel and it's not very good and it like kind of just sort of shatters a lot of the goodwill from the original story so i just stopped reading it and was like i'll pretend well i guess you have to deal with that too with the whole um uh uh, Andrew Niederman and and VC Andrews, <laughs> like you have to deal with that with like him <laughs> sequelizing her books and prequelizing her books now, and um, so oh, damn it, Josh! <laughs> you just got Megan right in the fields. Uh, yeah, I mean it's so I get if someone thinks that a sequel to a movie you know ruin something or you know, like, like even when you watch something and they, they couldn't get an actor back so it's like oh that relationship from the previous movie broke up and you're just like mm-hmm. what that was the whole yeah. point 
But yeah, for someone to just say, well, I didn't like Prometheus, so all the Alien movies are bad now. It's like, well, um... That's <laughs> actually Scott's untrue. Dune. There we go. Yeah. Okay, I have, to give be... my, I have to give my directors... Um, and I, okay. I, yes. uh, you know, I saw this, I s- saw this question and, um, I don't know. I'm like really, I'm really at a loss cause you, <laughs> cause you both have, have said some really good ones. I think, I think Tarsum would be really good. I think Del Toro could be really good. Um, mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of like really visually interesting directors that, that could bring something to this. And I'm going to go, I'm going to go really far afield in a way that probably won't make any sense, but could be (laughs) interesting. And I'm going to say, and I know that maybe this will get me some, some booze. I don't know. I don't know where his, (laughs) what his standing is right now, but I think, uh, I would love to see Wes Anderson do something with Dune. Oh my God. How adorable would a Wes Anderson (laughs) Dune be? Oh my gosh. You can, you can assure that there would be like little models probably, there would be oh, yeah, like so some many. really intricate set design and beautiful yeah. costumes and like a really amazing cast. Like I, I, I mean, <laughs> I mean, Bill Murray would be a in there. Cover. Yeah. Um, yeah. Bo, a beautiful cover of the orange Catholic Bible. <laughs> yeah. Like, just appears on the screen. <laughs> what about, um, Oh, here's one that I hadn't considered before. Um, the Wachowski sisters. Okay, I, yeah. Yeah. S- yeah. Especially with that, this yeah. Matrix 4 business popping up now. Well, I mean, yeah. even just, like, watch Speed Racer. True. Okay, like, mm-hmm. that's a movie that gets, like, I feel like totally undue, like, heat. I feel no, like that, that movie's movie is, actually a lot of fun. I saw it in a the theater. It's and a lot it's, of fun. It's visually great. It was a good time. Like, there's, well, yeah. even, like, Sense8, I mean, oh, yeah. that, you know... They can handle weird. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah, I think they could bring the uh, right kind of visual sense to it too. I, I think they could really yeah. get something interesting. Mm-hmm. Plus, I'm totally down for having a couple of amazing women making do. That was yeah. part of my problem. Is I was trying to think yeah. of women directors. Yeah, and hence my like Sofia Coppola joke because it was just like I don't know Sofia <laughs> Coppola. I wish it would just be a lot of you know draperies. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. A lot of flowy. Blue dresses. <laughs> Draperies. Like, that was one thing I, I think last year I watched The Hunger for the first time. It was like, wow, there are so There's many billowy so curtains. Many billowy curtains. This is a perfume commercial. <laughs> All it is with vampires. So, um, I think we can wrap it up from here. So, Josh, would you like to talk about your show? Uh, for sure. Put in a um, plug there? Yeah. yeah. So, uh, as you as you already mentioned, uh, one of your previous guests, Brian Skinner, uh, is my co-host mm-hmm. on PredictoCast, where we take a film that we know nothing about, we watch the first 10 minutes, and then we try to predict the rest of the story. Um, sometimes we're spot on, especially if it comes from the <laughs> late eighties, early nineties, we have like nailed yeah. those story structures pretty much, but sometimes we'll get surprised and we do things that are pretty kind of out of left field. Sometimes we're looking for obscure stuff. So our, our, uh, back catalog is varied, uh, to say the least. Um, <laughs> and then, uh, a couple of years ago, uh, because you brought it up in my intro, uh, a couple, a couple years ago, uh, Skinner and I also, um, uh, recorded a show together called Butterfly Kisses, where we go through the <laughs> line uh, or go through the song uh, Butterfly by Crazy Town line by line. Um, I, I, it's out there. 
that's not really doing it's it not, justice. I, I, no, I introduced, I used that, I mentioned it when we introduced Skinner as well. And I think at the time I called it the most delightfully weird podcast I'd listened to. And that's still, <laughs> I, I will say it's true. still out there. You can find it on Apple podcasts or wherever you listen or, or whatever, but like just start at the beginning. That's all I'll say. It just, it, it starts out with a very, <laughs> simple premise and it goes from there and it builds and it becomes something very weird and kind of wonderful. And we keep talking about trying to revisit it at some point and doing something else in that world. And I, I don't, one day we will when we have time. Well, I hope so because it's truly a delight. <laughs> it is. Um, I want to send a special thank you to our friend Kenny, who sent us a picture of an amazing bound edition of the first three books of Dune. It was like a, you know, a collection. Um, because of the artwork, it had <laughs> finally, like, a sandworm looks scary. Like, it was a pretty dang good collection. And it was That's at half price books. Yeah. So I, I would definitely be interested in hunting that version down just to have it for that artwork because it's pretty good. Um, God, I, I would love to find that. But the last thing I need in this house is another <laughs> copy of Dune. Another copy of Dune. I know. I, I still have my old uh, paperback that ripped in half, but and my new bound, my new paperback. So there are three in a stack yeah. on a bookshelf upstairs. <laughs> so we're in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I do want to give a shout out to some of our other great uh, people that are making wonderful Dune content right now. At Dune Reads on Twitter or out Dune Read, uh, Dune Read through, uh, tweeting Dune out line by line. It's a lot of fun to follow. Uh, they have a lot of really kind of um, funny follow ups to mm -hmm. a lot of their tweets that I enjoy. Uh, we mention them all the time on the show, Mwadib Style Guide. That's at Mwadib Style. And our little sisters across the pond at Duneiversity, Josie and Ray, please give them a listen. They're very good. And as always, you can find us on Twitter at WeirdingPod, or if you'd like to send us a message, you can reach us at WeirdingPodcast at gmail.com. We love to hear from you guys. We're also on Facebook and Instagram. Find us there. We love hearing from you, seeing all your covers and artwork. Tag us. Hashtag SendDunes. We're always down. <laughs> Follow Josh. Please Josh, what's your, what's your Twitter? Uh, I'm on Twitter at joshua underscore hollis i think i know i'm on twitter sometimes but i always yeah that's it at joshua underscore hollis You're usually under under your podcast yeah, and and predicto yeah, cast yeah. uh as well on on yeah. uh, twitter and instagram yeah listen to predicto cast megan and i and i have both been on that show so yeah, it's a lot of fun it's very good Mm -hmm. yep. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Josh. Thank you so much for letting us take your Dune virginity. <laughs> thank you. We're very thank honored. Thank you so much for letting me turn a drop of my blood into semen. Um. <laughs> Hashtag bludges. I don't know. Oh, no. <laughs> Make this happen. <laughs> thank you very much for having me. I, I appreciate it. <laughs> Thanks, everyone. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Thank you, Josh. <laughs> Blood just... 
I'm just using nothing but high speech from now on in this podcast. <laughs>